Welcome to the ABCs to live your dope life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited not only to be looking at my good friend's face right now through the screen, uh, but to be able to share this conversation uh, with all of you who have the space and capacity to, to listen. Um, I, I do want to start off with, you know, you do have two different names in a sense. So I know you as Kaylee Mullet, uh, and in many circles, you're known as Kalea. And so I'm going to go back and forth and I often just call you Kay because I don't like to choose one name <laughs> over the other. They're both so beautiful and they're so you. And so welcome, Kay. <laughs> Thanks, Meredith. I'm honored to be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to, to see you. We've had a few conversations in the last few months while you've been traveling all over the world. Um, but this is the first time that I've been able to see your face while we're talking. Uh, so this feels really special. <laughs> <laughs> so before we dive too deep into our content today, I just want to ask you the question that I, I love starting each episode with. And it's what is in and or on your heart today? Mm, great question. Mm. Um, on my heart today is the, the importance of preserving our goals inside. And I think it's such a, um, it's a really neat analogy, the fact that we you kind of need to work with the seasons. And before a flower comes into bloom here in North America, it has to like, lose all its leaves and hibernate and be underground and be still and that's a place that we are as a society right now just like nesting and gestating and letting these like next dreams come into fruition mm -hmm. and I think it's really important just to let that unfold into something um, that we don't often take the time to pause long enough and reflect so it, it can be ready to sprout so I feel like that's um, what I am what's coming up and what's real for me today is just mm -hmm. noticing that that time is really sacred for me. And I've been truly diving in and enjoying this isolation period. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Yeah. And no, I, I just, I'm smiling even listening to you say that, because of course you would relate what's going on to the seasons. Um, you're just, you're someone that, <laughs> you know, so much about nature and about, um just being outdoors and 
you know, not only do you have you done that for work for a long time, but I, I have so many wonderful memories with you where we went for walks or went for a hike and you would just be like, oh, that's that flower. And oh, that plant can become a Band-Aid. And no, oh, that's aspirin. And it's like, what? Like, like, oh, we can eat those things. We can't eat those things. Just this wealth of knowledge that every time we've gone on any kind of adventure, I'm just like, teach me. <laughs> Uh, it'd be so fun to share (laughs) well I think we have a pretty a pretty neat story in history um you know the way I if I'm going to recall how we met um where our relationship began um it's kind of an interesting play because I uh, I grew up playing basketball as did you uh but you were in Saskatchewan uh I was in Alberta and I had a, a small strong cohort of female basketball players in uh that i grew up with um all through middle school and high school and they were all just such amazing beautiful talented women and a few of them went to the same school together i went off to san diego state to play basketball and uh, sarah and talia went to sate and you ended up going to sate (laughs) and and so i kept hearing about this girl kaylee and and they would even say like she's the new you. I'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I've been replaced. Uh, <laughs> but then I and I can't remember when I first when I first met you. Actually, I don't remember our first interaction, but I do remember many just really interesting interactions where we would just kind of stumble into the same space and we would just connect. And you were just so lovely and open and gentle and you know wise and and so right from my my first interaction with you I just was like oh this girl like I feel good around this girl and she's so interesting and uh and slowly that that relationship that friendship has budded into some something really beautiful and we've we've done some facilitation together we have deep amazing discussions um you're someone that just fills my heart in so many different ways and I always look forward to connecting with you so I'm, yeah, I'm just, and you've gone off and done so many interesting things and, and just been so open about the struggle within, within all of it. It's, it's such a gift to be able to, to be your friend and to watch you navigate this world in such a bold and brave way. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it takes me back to our uh, three on three hoop it up. You, me, and Talia. We were. Uh, oh my think, God. We were champs. I do believe we uh, we won that tournament. <laughs> was that, so is that when we first met? Then was that the three on three tournament? I think that might have been. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Hoop it up. Hoop it up. Hoop After it your up. first year in San Diego State, that was yeah. your summer. Okay. Summer at home. Wow. Cool. Well, there it is. That's so. Friends fun. for life. <laughs> That's really fun. Yeah, you're someone that I picture like being an old lady with and like living next door, living in tiny houses oh. together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sipping tea in the morning and talking to the wild animals. Oh yeah. my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that could happen very easily. Perfect. Very easily. Uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm curious to hear or for you to share in whatever way you want to tell your story. You know, and I think it's interesting that depending on the day and the state of mind and who you're talking with, um, and this is not you, this is everyone, we can tell our story in a, in a little bit of a different way. And you have quite a story. Uh, and I, so I want to just kind of open the space for you to, to share what you feel compelled to share about 
uh, who you are and how you've gotten to uh, how you've gotten to where you are right now in this moment. Wow. All right. Thanks, Marin. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess my if I think back to things that really brought me meaning and purpose as a kid, it was nature and movement. And those two things usually went hand in hand. Um, I recall my mom saying I couldn't sit through playing a full song on the piano before racing out the door. And that's just where I found a lot more like peace and tranquility with some of the hardships um, that life was presenting at that time. Um, I grew up with a sister who had cystic fibrosis and it was always quite a struggle. So she was in and out of the hospital and um, dealing with dealing with the nature of that disease that slowly starts to um, suffocate your internal organs. So she ended up losing her battle to the disease when she was 16 and I was just a year younger. So that was, it was pretty formative in those early years that I found my own power because I was kind of, I was her beacon through a lot of it, I felt. And through my time of being immersing immersed in nature, I would, um, I would go for runs and bring back these stories and share with her what I saw and tell her about, you know, the, the freedom and the feeling. And she, she couldn't run at the time. And it was, a, it was kind of like her living through my eyes of what I experienced. So it felt like something I could never lose for the rest of my life in a way, because it, it always brought me back to those moments where I would just sit next to her in the morning before we'd head off to school and um, kind of like recap you know, my morning run or walk or bike ride or whatever I was out to go and see and explore. So it was kind of her little delivery pal. Mm. Um, but just the feeling of like the sun on my skin and the wind in my hair, it's an, still to, to this day, it's such an instant calm. And I notice it doesn't really usually matter the time of the year unless it is like negative cold temperatures in Canada. <laughs> I always drive with the window down. Um, I would now work for an active travel company. So I'm like hiking and biking outdoors each day. And it just feels like, like I can just exhale into my morning and know that I'm going to be in the perfect office that this body needs in my lifetime. So, um, I moved through the world as an athlete, I guess, growing up in the earlier chapters of my teenage years. And that helped me, well, first of all, work out a lot of aggression and sadness, <laughs> which I think is, is natural. Like people, they need that dopamine, they need that, you know, physical exertion to come back to understanding that life is going to be have moments of like, challenge and ease and sports really are a beautiful container where you're with your team through and through. And you struggle together and you achieve greatness together. But at the end of the day, um, you're still a unit. So it's mm -hmm. um, a phrase kept coming through my mind last summer as I started this run across the country that if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. And mm -hmm. I think I needed that like arm in arm sisterhood cohort of all of these beautiful basketball ladies in my life and volleyball ladies in my life and just the teams that I was a part of to make me feel like even though one sister was making her way out of this world, I still had, you know, 15, 20, 30 other women that were like working at, towards the same goal and finding their best selves through, through this movement and the game of sports, which is pretty similar to the game of life so yeah. that was like the early that was the early chapter I guess that kind of broke me out of Mooseman I had a goal of learning things I wanted to be educated I wanted to understand how the world worked and you know maybe find a cure for CF which would be incredible and it's you know it's well on its way so that's pretty exciting that um, mm -hmm. other people are doing that role where I can hold other pillars up in the world yeah and um yeah that Branched me out to state where I met Sarah and Tal and I, you know, found my way into Mount Royal after that and studied 
you know, a bit more of the movement science. I made a lot of sets for what I like naturally find myself in interested in. And that was the personal training diploma. And from there, worked in a few centers in Calgary and just found the mountains as this escape that I was like enamored with. Like, how can I run up them faster? And how can I bike up them faster? And I just want to be in them all the time. <laughs> so naturally, I looked for ways that I could, you know, perfect that medium. And I found another option to go to school. So that sent me out to Eastern Canada and Thunder Bay, where I studied outdoor recreation, parks and tourism um, with a second um, degree in earth sciences. And that taught me about the world that I really was yearning to know, because now I understood bodies, but I'm like, but how does the world work? Like, how do seasons work? How are mountains formed? I can't answer these questions just by reading a book, because I can't sit still long enough to read a book cover to cover. So, <laughs> so if I'm like sitting and engaged with these people, this could be a really good fit. So out to Eastern Canada, I went um, with a really dear friend from Cal uh, Calgary. And um, yeah, I had a really nice experience about surrendering you know being a kid again like the class was fun and I don't think to that point I was actually giving myself permission to have fun with life mm. things had to be a bit of a struggle and it was a bit of a task and you had to achieve perfection and be like I was very a type and god bless my profs for not giving up on me because after the second year I was like okay I need to go change the world now um, we can't play ground as lava jumping on the tops of these desks this is very cool, but I'm 25. Yeah. Not serious. <laughs> or 23. Now yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very funny to like, these are just the voices in my mind that want to have oh, yeah. like fun, but can it be productive fun? And can I see how my impact is, is making a positive change? And it was making me into a person that I dreamed of becoming, who was mm -hmm. more lighthearted and more fun and more me each day. And that's the goal is just to keep being, um, keep being playful and being a lover of life. Um, so that opportunity in school kind of sent me, I think the profs learned that I was um, good at science and pretty darn curious. So they gave some pretty neat opportunities. I got to go live up in Lutzel Cay um, and work with the Dene, Suthene First Nations community and create a project up on the Snowdrift River. And then I spent some time um, running courses up in Churchill, Manitoba, dog sledding through the winter and guiding different groups up there. So the mediums of play outside have been, you know, they varied from canoes to rafts to kayaks to bikes to hiking boots to um, dog sleds. So <laughs> it's been really fun uh, to find work in all of those venues and just um, know that there's always something that we can learn. It doesn't matter what landscape you're staring at. Like, the earth talks to us when we just watch it and just to be like an observer of an observer of natural spaces is I think brought me probably the most joy so after that I branched out to Asia and thought that would be a the natural step you know you're working up north and then hey let's go to the tropics and warm up for a while so <laughs> um I went over with Richard which you know and grew up he was in that group as well yeah and spent some time with an outdoor education group and um, was actually linking yoga and wellness into the curriculum that they were offering by like having kids learn how to stretch their bodies and move their bodies well before they rock climbed. But linked in with that rock climbing unit, we were also understanding geology and rock formation. So hmm. it's a lot more experiential learning that I didn't know I was going to progress into at that time, but I loved it. And I was like, everyone should learn this way. Let's like put our hands on the rocks. Let's like swim and do coral reef testing by like while we're staring at it. So we can actually understand this world that we're 
that we're trying to like put into context because it doesn't mm. it didn't always make sense to me as a kid I actually really hated the classroom I was very antsy and couldn't sit still and of course I was a kid you know any kid wants to move and be outside and and be busy in their body while they still have a healthy body to use so yeah um so I stayed in yoga or in Asia for a year and a half um throughout Malaysia and mainland China and Hong Kong and went to Korea and did a few other detours Thailand and it was great running these little you know week-long missions where kids come and camp out and they learn how to be autonomous how to cook their own food how to rise with the sun and you know go to sleep as the moon comes up and the really beautiful aspect that I didn't really touch on within outdoor education is their kind of their like internal pursuit of excellence where you're just trying to become a better version of yourself not like the greatest person you know and that was kind of the difference between this like a type athlete that I had come from it's like you just want to be the best and it's like but hold on who's measuring stick am I comparing myself to because I'll never be you know Haley Wickenheiser if you put skates on my feet that's like not in my bloodline hmm. but if you you know, allow me just to reflect on the day, think of ways I can improve, you know, have little debrief moments, and then move forward. There's so much more unity and integration of the chapters you've lived in your life that allow you to really exceed moving forward, because you can honestly look at what you've learned and what you've failed at, which is natural and essential for growth. Mm -hmm. And then you move into something that fits, or that's more natural, or that you want to improve at. And that's a huge, that's, you know, part of all the outdoor education that I've been a part of. And um, yeah, it's just that reflective practice that is also part of this yoga world that I'm also a part of, which is mm -hmm. being really delightful. Um, so I did my yoga training while I was in university because I needed to move my body. Um, wasn't playing sports. I got in a car accident and needed to like connect and find my breath. And I remember going to yoga classes and staring at the teachers and being like, I want to be like them, but I, I have no idea if I could ever sit on this black mat or on the mat of a teacher. Like that would be nerve wracking. It like made me, my eyes well with tears to think about like the amount of gratitude I'd have in that space. And then also my stomach turned in a knot an instant later. And I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Right. And that's mm -hmm. just, you know, these conditions of the ego. So mm -hmm. anyways, took that course, linked it in with kids playing in the outdoors. It felt like a very natural chapter. And then we hopped over to Central America and, um, working at a kind of like a wellness retreat and teaching yoga for locals and volunteering in the school and um, playing on rivers and just understanding another tropical environment, which led me to realize that I really want to get involved in teaching. So I did a little detour to Australia before finally getting my things together because why not? We were out in the world <laughs> and there were jo jobs to be had. So uh, I went back to Thunder Bay and um, studied outdoor environmental experiential education which is essentially that where you look at the natural world find a way to move through it and then build lesson plans that'll help kids like touch and experience and come out with a greater understanding so then they can create they can create an awareness to like protect these places that that we really need to be monitored and mm. res and respected yeah and I think so often we're like you know in the part of the running community we just find a trail and we run it and okay, well, maybe we don't know this is a riparian zone and the shores that we walk along are like actually keeping the river intact. And we've got a, like, if there's just a couple, you know, other little bits and pieces that, you know, signboards are, are progressing quite a bit, even in my hometown where I am 
um, isolating at the moment. Um, there's a lot of new sign postage, which is so exciting to see. It's talking about the bur oak trees and the trembling aspen and that this used to be a, a glacial, glacial carved valley and like this never oh, wow. was here before and <laughs> um, all the animals in the area and now it's like that time of year that everything's coming back awake. So we've got bear scout on the trails and um, there was a raccoon that came to visit last night and <laughs> yeah, it's just been a very, a very fun world to be a part of. But I became a teacher and thought that was going to be a good, um, a good fit. But I, I, if I listened to my inner child and knew that I hated being indoors, I probably would have answered that question and knew it would be short lived. But it, it was a very to... unique where you were teaching, though, right? It was a very unique um, community. Yeah, right? yeah, there were 25 of us. So some of the, you know, courses would have to go home and write papers. And we had to go and find like traditional ways of cooking bread over fire and then we had to like carve our own utensils to bring to the dinner that we would be eating and then we would go on like winter camp trips and bring our own sleeping system and we had to you know only source our food within 100 miles and um yeah create like create a game out of the process of photosynthesis so how can you actually make this like a physical moving body game not like a little bingo game on a piece of paper it's like using your bodies and having colorful shirts and just understand like you're under making systems understandable through dynamic activity which was super fun to oh, yeah. exhaust endless hours lesson planning and yeah <laughs> <laughs> I loved it <laughs> yeah it was a lot of good I remember talking to you several times it. while you were there and yeah I'm just in awe of of what you did in this community and for these students. And, and it was very apparent that it was also extremely exhausting, that it was, it was hard to get into that cycle of, of actually receiving because you were giving so much, you know? Yeah. I'm, yeah. So you were there for what, a year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then did a little sidestep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're so good at. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I never, you know, you never want to leave something <laughs> totally finished or else what are you gonna do when you get old I've got yeah. projects to keep. <laughs> it's like the never-ending blanket that you could be knitting mine's like 20 feet long right now. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's <too> fun <laughs> so yeah I got to teach at a few um like first nations schools that have a really I guess like a really comparable or compatible idea on like nature being a really great teacher and a good vessel mm -hmm. for learning so I was in Morley teaching just outside like in between Calgary and Canmore for a while and um, was in Canmore for a little bit and then jumped out west and spent some time taking a course through Knowles up in the Yukon so the 30-day wilderness educator course and then got into Strathcona Park Lodge on Vancouver Island and ran those you know week-long wilderness immersion courses and then I was teaching at the UFC for a while, some of their outdoor ed programs while I was finishing up tiny and then um, went to Bella Coola. Yeah. And that so was you where you the... have to mention when you, we, you call it tiny. Uh, <laughs> so, which I know what you're talking about. So tell us, <laughs> tell us what tiny is. <laughs> so, tiny is my very dear project. And um, it's a tiny home that I built after spending some time in Honduras and throughout Asia and spending, you know, a lot of my twenties, I lived in a tent. So my square footage was like an, you know, like a throw rug in your house. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I was like, all right. So I put all my things in my backpack and 
got my tent and this is home. So I move around the world and live in little spaces. And then um, returning to Canada, I was like, ah, you know, I need to build it. My dad was a home builder early on. And mm. I always like flip through the little building books, magazines in the, in the bathtub while I was passing time as children do. They look at building their dream home, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know what a normal child does. I realize that I'm maybe a little, a little off the curve of normal, but that's okay. Same. You're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like about you. <laughs> so I started um, acquiring old parts and pieces. Um, on Kijiji, there was a fellow selling a 1976 custom coach for $450. And that was literally like all I had in my bank account after returning from Honduras because I had been teaching for the love of teaching and for the, you know, passion that people need to learn how to move their bodies safely through yoga and move their bodies safely through the wilderness. So I was like, just take it, learn all this stuff for free. I don't need any money yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I found this trailer. And then at the time, dumpster diving was actually a very great way to move through the world when you were without a paycheck. So I would go to like building sites and be like, there's flooring. Okay. There's some wood. Okay. And then people would just start learning that I was, well, the people that I was working with at the UFC learned that I was salvaging these parts and pieces. And they're like, Hey, I know of this. Do you need a window? Mm. (laughs) It's like, sure. Let's add it to the file. So I, I kind of like Tetris together. Um, my very cute house that I call with much affection, tiny. And it has, it's, it's like taken a personality of its own. The walls were all covered with maps on the inside for one time. And I just got like real walls put up a while <laughs> back. So now it's becoming a real adult home. And I feel <laughs> pretty happy with, yeah. with the state of development. Totally. It's so. nice that you have like uh, actual shelter when you come yeah. to Alberta to be able to not be living in a tent out here. Totally. Yeah. yeah, it is a four season tent that I own, so it can withstand the cold winter uh, weather. Of course. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I kind of like four solid walls now after all of the uh, wilderness pursuits that life has yeah. shared. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, so you were, and then you, um, you were getting into Crossroads, I think, as the next. Yeah, so moved to Hawaii to run an outdoor ed school for these gifted surf kids, and mm-hmm along the way I was like, do I still want to be teaching? Maybe there's another opportunity out there. So spent some time nannying and working a few odd jobs. And then a friend reached out and was like, hey, my company is hiring and you need to apply. And I was like, ah, gosh, tourism though, that's like anti-education. I want to like save the world and educate kids. I don't want to, I don't know if I'm going to fit in. I'm so different that I just don't really... I don't know. It's, it'll be hard for me to like raise my fist and like be stoked about tourism. But I took the leap and tried something new. And it was like this really, really warm welcome back to Canada. And mm-hmm. the training took place in Canmore, which is a place that I've always kind of like bounced around. And the community of people that I worked alongside for the past three years were just like lit up about being outside and moving their bodies. And it brings mm-hmm. me back to like, I had to work through a lot of like things that of course we accumulate these stories about how we effectively move through the world and thinking about our carbon footprint and I had analyzed these concepts for years about being a mindful traveler and I wasn't being a mindful traveler but I think sometimes to share the message and to be the voice of preserving these beautiful places that we're hiking and biking through that's okay because the 
the ears that you're reaching on the other end are really gonna they're gonna keep in mind what you're sharing with them on these hiking trails and it's a lot about culture and a lot about natural history and to be honest whatever we care about we get to educate our guests on so um over the past three years and 16 countries at the company i've been super grateful to have a moment now in isolation just to exhale and debrief yeah. my experience <laughs> and then just be patient with the next step because I don't know um, what's going to happen to tourism, but I can imagine some shifts in the economy are in store. Mm -hmm. so. Wow. And now you're in Mooseman, staying with your parents uh, or you're or you just at your parents for Wi-Fi or have you been staying with them for a little bit too? I'm just getting the Wi-Fi right now. There's a cabin out at our lake and um, I've been staying out of the cabin, which is where okay. I started running wellness retreats in between some of those Asian adventures. I'd come back to the people here and be like, come three days. We're going to do all this raw food deliciousness and yoga in the mornings and Kundalini and try all the different types. And so it was neat because the house was just being, or it's a house. It's quite yeah. large, but I, we call yeah. it the cabin. Yeah. So um, the cabin was just being, erected and it's kind of that was kind of the early stages of what it was I was doing out in the world and to be like put hosting this retreat in a place that was still being built as I was still coming into what it was that I was doing felt very appropriate mm -hmm. so now I'm back in it and this house is finished and I'm like I feel like I'm more finished oh this yeah. is really nice what <laughs> <a> good timing <laughs> it's just That's so amazing years yeah all right you've, you've been all over the world it's you know, I'm, I have such interesting feelings as I hear your story of, of awe and also for me, like sheer terror of like, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I've had that same range of feelings, <laughs> but I was reading in um, this really beautiful book by Kate Stillman called Master of Yourself, Master of You. And um, she talks about, she uses the Ayurvedic philosophy to put into like tangible steps for building your next chapter. Mm -hmm. And I'm a part of a really neat women's group that I actually just had a call with earlier on today. And we're all in this backroads community needing to kind of pave the next step forward. And she blends the elements of like, you know, of Ayurveda, which have created life of all forms, earth, air, fire, water, ether, and has us answering really profound questions to navigate forward. So, um, the comment that you made a moment earlier triggered me into one of the things she said. Around being in awe, but also terrified? Also terrified, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, sorry, I lost it. I think my mind gets so excited about these ideas and then sometimes. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I go through the same thing. My mind uh, is, is often ahead of my mouth. <laughs> Ah, I should have just got to the point, but um, it's all good. It'll come back to it'll you. It'll come back if it wasn't yeah. good, it will. Well, and and you know, well, thank you for sharing all of that. And and I know you mentioned, you know, your relationship and experience with Lindsay, your sister, and how that really played a huge part in your formative years. Um, yeah. And I'm, I want to hear. Uh, and you mentioned the the run briefly across Canada. Uh, and, and this, so I, ideally the theme for this episode, which I didn't, but didn't mention at the beginning is, is gut health and green exercise. Um, because I, I knew I wanted to talk to you and these were topics that we've talked about before. And you're, you're such a wealth of knowledge that I really could have chosen anything and been like, ah, Kaylee will be able to talk to me about this. 
Uh, <laughs> but when it, She'll when it a comes, good story, if nothing yeah, else. she will. She's got something. I'm sure she took a course on it. Uh, <laughs> but you know, when it, when it comes to kind of weaving these things together, I, you know, gut health obviously is huge. Everything's so connected. And when I think about not only you going on these, you know, week long excursions where you're guiding people from around the world and, and trying to use the natural elements and the environment around you as much as possible. And then also thinking about this extreme challenge you created for yourself to travel across Canada in, in various, like on foot, in canoe, on canoe, on your bike, and, and having this cohort of support around you that is kind of on the journey with you. And, and so I'm, I'm curious to hear, you know, when it comes to even these, these long excursions or being outdoors, what, what is it that keeps you in that state where you have energy? How do you take care of your gut in, in really extreme environments or, or in a brand new environment where maybe what you, what you normally have to ingest is not there anymore? Like what, what is good gut, gut health and how do you take care of it when you're just out in the world? That is such a good question and something that I am um, currently sitting with as I'm finishing my final round of anti-malaria pills that are wiping out all of my good um, gut bacteria. From because anti Africa? Yeah, to prevent oh. um, malaria, they give you um, Dymox, and we, we were on other altitude sickness drugs, and I just feel like I'm working out some of the, not kinks, but like some of the things that come along with travel when you are trying to prevent disease from affecting your, your long-term health. So yeah. Um, so that feels like a very present, not problem, but opportunity for learning more about my body mm. <laughs> that, that I'm facing. And it's, it kind of comes hand in hand with travel because of course, trips to these countries have been, you know, fascinating. And I feel so fortunate for all the places around the world I've been able to learn and move freely. And, um, and I've met up with most of their most of the germs along the way. I've been real sick. <laughs> I've been in hospitals in, you know, pretty dodgy towns throughout Asia. And you just like, oh man, is there even running water in this clinic? Wow. I am in. And then, you know, you're getting, you get food poisoning and then you're in another place and they're giving you charcoal tabs and putting you on IV. And you're like, oh God, I hope those are clean needles. And you just have wow. to trust that the world, you know, it has a solution. These people live here well for for good reason and and we're taken care of along the way but um to touch on that trans canada trail um dream that i put into into motion um it's a really it's been a long drawn out process because this was like it was actually the last conversation that i had with my sister as she was um taking her last few breaths in um winnipeg hospital and i just remember saying this is um this run across Canada is going to happen and I'll do it as a CF fundraiser. And I just don't want other people to have to go through this disease the same way you did. Like she was such a light in the world and she had so much to offer. And most of my youth, I kind of wish that I could have given her mine because I had no problems. And that was the problem that I had this freedom. I had this energy. I had this ability to like move unrestricted and she couldn't. And she was super smart and gifted and everyone loved her. And I'm like, you should have this. Mm. <laughs> Look at it. Like I just, but you can't hand your health to someone else. But what you can do is 
is hopefully educate and inform others about ways to preserve the health they do have and really make the most of it while they're here because we don't really know when that last moment's going to be. So, mm-hmm. um, so Terry Fox was my hero growing up, which probably does a really good uh, analogy for why I like nature and movement so much. And mm-hmm. for those of you, I'm sure any you know good Canadian knows about Terry's story and how he ran on one leg halfway across Canada and ended his story actually in Thunder Bay, which I didn't really know that was exactly the place where he was ending a story. I read the book, I watched the movie, yada, yada, but until I arrived to go to university there and was doing my long bike training days and was on the Highway of Hope and I saw his statue overlooking the Sleeping Giant, I was in tears and I'm like, oh my God, this is, my life is leading me here and another journey, I came back and was on my way up to take that Knowles course up in the Yukon and was just very like indecisive of what I was doing, if what I was doing was making a difference or if I was on the right path and then I park my car because I was sleeping in my car at the time and it was a three-day drive to get up north. So I was just like, I'm just going to pull over here, have a sleep, wake up in the morning and I'm right in the parking lot for Mount Terry Fox. And I didn't even know there was a Mount Terry Fox. I was like, okay, there's something pointing me in this direction. And so last year I was in New Zealand for the winter and had brilliant weather and endless trails and was, you know, fit and healthy through the food and the lifestyle of this career that I'm embarking on. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And this sounds like a really grandiose idea. And oh my God, I have to like, I have to be accountable and start doing the things I say I'm going to do because that's what makes you accountable at the end of the day. So, yeah. um, so I just set a date. I was like, all right, uh, May 28th. (laughs) (laughs) So it was before the season really kicked off. I planned on running all the um, the Trans-Canada Trail and Vancouver Island. So it was 200 and 260 kilometers. And my dear friend, Mark, called me up while I was still getting my training in because I was running like, I don't know, sometimes 20, sometimes 40K a day and just like keeping my body moving. And it was good. And he's like, hey, I've been, uh, I'm back from Antarctica and just wondering how long you want me to run with you because I told you I was going to do this. And I'm like, no way, you're being true to your word too. That's awesome. And I was like, well, you can run the whole thing, the whole like first thing, which was 260K. And he was like, okay, I'll see you there. So that was the last conversation I had with him until he hopped on the plane and there he was. And Mark Brophy, love him to bits. He Mm. is also a guide and just a huge light in the world and just, you know, someone who has an objective and just makes it happen. Whether it be skiing at Denali and, you know, a snowstorm and with all of the you know there was an earthquake that happened while he was up there and just like sending these really cool pursuits and yeah, yeah it's it's been a, a neat fellow to share circles with and wow. and how could you not do your run once he hopped on a plane and was like let's go <laughs> oh, yeah. like shit i guess yeah. i'm doing this thing now yeah totally <laughs> So the thing, like more than, you know, thinking about gut health, when you have yeah. a project that's actually bigger than yourself, because I realized mm. that, okay, so I've been talking to guests on my trip about what I'm doing. Cause they're like, why are you hiking and then going to run for an hour or two each night? Like, have you lost your mind? And I'm like, well, kind of, but that's right. not the Are point. you okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, we're exhausted and now you're going running. This doesn't seem, things aren't adding up. So yeah, um, yeah it was really... Um, it, it was neat to know once I started, once you start saying something, it puts it in the physical world. And it's not a thought anymore that you can just like quiet if you don't want to do it. 
you're, you have to hold yourself accountable. So I reached out to people that I knew would not allow me to, would not allow it to slide. And um, I shared with friends that mattered and I connected with the CF community and I started talking about my story and I started putting together a website and I was like, okay, things are happening and now I have to do it. Like I can't, there, you know, and that's the beauty of sports too, is like, you just got to keep pushing through because eventually yeah. it's going to be easy. And, yeah. you know, sometimes I was on these runs. I remember running up this mountain range and it was like 1700 meters of climbing. And I was like, there was a section in the middle that I just started crying. And I think it was early in the morning and it was quite beautiful. And I was feeling emotional about all of the running and the experiences that were happening in my life at that time. And and then I was like, okay, you can cry, but you can't stop running. So I made myself keep running up that pursuit. And it's like, because you know, there's going to be a harder hill. And if you let yourself stop now, you know, you're just going to stop all the time. So mm. cry, but run and cry. So I would, mm. you know, run. and then of course it passed and there's a beautiful view. And I'm just really grateful for this inner coach that I think is a voice of all of those coaches that have compiled and provided support throughout the chapters of my life to mm. know that I'm stronger than I'm stronger than I actually believe I could ever be. So mm-hmm. that had a really cool effect. And wow. so I set the, I was just going to kind of, you know, tell Mark and tell a few friends to just go and do it because I don't really like, I don't know. I kind of like to hide away from the limelight. I know that about <laughs> you. Yeah. And I'm constantly like, come on, get on stage. You're amazing. <laughs> I'll just hide behind the curtain. Let's go for a walk and talk outside where we yeah. can like be in the trees. <laughs> oh boy. Uh-huh. So um, that was quite a fun start off because I ended the date that I had chosen to start the run on was actually the day before the national CF run. And they were like, oh my God, can you come be a speaker? I was like, of course, this is great. I want to see all of these like cystic fibrosis people now, because that's the community who I've been out of touch with for 18 years. Mm -hmm. And they're the reason I'm running. Like they're who I'm running for now. So I went and did this talk and there were these parents who are dressed up like superheroes and probably 200 people, but like everyone there had brought their child or cousin or was a relative of someone who had CF and I could hear the coughs echoing. And there's like a very distinctive cough of someone who has fluid in their lungs. And it's like, Lindsay, like I could just imagine her being in this crowd. So I felt like I'm doing this for you. And it's like, it gives me goosebumps to think about, but we finished this walk. It's like a 2k loop around the parks in Victoria and these little munchkin kids who have CF and some kids that are walking with oxygen tanks and, you know, they're all supporting each other because they're at different stages and it comes in so many different varieties that um, there's, there's a lot of good research coming, coming through the pipes about how to approach CF and, and good ways mm. to help. But essentially at the end of the day, when it comes to disease, it's all about the money that you can donate to help with research. Yeah. So that's what this, um, that's what this project was all about is yeah. just kind of finish, you know, following through with Terry, following through with Lynn's, like putting CF back in my wheelhouse again, back in my world and, and making other people's lives more manageable with this like abundant energy that I still have. (laughs) (laughs) So I did this cool talk and got to meet a bunch of neat people. And I've actually still been like, I've still been sending messages and some of the little kids made me fridge magnets and cards. And when I went back to work, I, they had shipped them to the to the office address which was really sweet just to be in the loop and and then Mark and I took off and we were running 30 to 50k days for the next seven days and we took 
um, yeah, it took a week to run the trail and we camped, we slept in our hammocks each night. And my mom and dad came out and like moved our things from place to place. And my dad biked the sections and he saw all the bears and it was like, it was a really good first step. And, um, the support was amazing. Friends were like, mm. stay at our place. Let's have you for dinner. And, you know, it was, it was a fast week because I had to be back at work and then had like four trips, boom, 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 yeah. following that before I could return to pick up the next chapter. But um, you were mentioned gut health is the theme of this. And I think like we need to remember that movement is such an important component to having like good digestion. Mm. And when we can move in places that don't have, you know, plastic products off gassing, like I worked in the world of personal training. I remember those smells of the chemicals and things that you used to like saturate all of the handles with. It's like right. hyper sanitized. And that actually like affects our skin's biome. So just as we have like mycelium or well, mycelium are like the connectors in the soil that allow plants to talk to each other and share nutrients. We've got this like lining in our stomach of good bacteria that is actually on our skin cells as well. And when we cut that chain of like information, it, it's like preventing us from achieving really good health and that over sanitation that I think might be happening right now with the, yeah. just with the, the reality of it. Like we need to maybe see if there's alternative ways that are still, you know, tea tree is a really amazing product. That's going to be mm-hmm. an excellent sanitizer to have mm-hmm. um, and finding natural soaps and natural solvents and things that are actually not going to be like totally eroding this biome on our skin. Cause it takes a while to build back up and, you know, you're achieving good health and you're in good, like, especially good mental health with when our, when our gut is healthy and full of those good bacteria. So, um, yeah, movement is just a natural way, especially in fresh air to like have an, like have a really good standing digestion and, um, hydration is another huge component that like making sure that you're having really good salts coming in your body. I always start the, when runs are done, I have like some kind of like salt based drink. Miso soup mm-hmm. is my go-to. That's oh, my favorite yeah. little packet. And I don't like, I have a hard time with like the fizzy noon drinks and Gatorade powder. I don't like sweet stuff in my system too much. It just makes me feel bloated. So it's probably a result of all of the parasites that I have warded off in my years. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we don't get along as well as, uh, as well no. as the salt. And that's, yeah. and that's really what, um, what the body needs is just get that salt intake back into your system and, um, you know, and keep it, keep it really simple. It doesn't have to be really complex, but start the morning with some kind of, when I am on those runs or those trips, it's like, just thinking back to Kilimanjaro as well. It was pretty similar to how we ran the trail. We had uh, like kind of like cooked porridge or oats with like nuts and, you know, if it's like peanut butter, almond butter, and like, that is a really good thing that's going to stick with you and last for a while. So then you hit the trail and you start running. And in my running vest, I have like homemade bliss balls because I love the kitchen and cooking. So I'd mix like, you know, maybe there'd be a cacao and cardamom one that's all ground walnuts and you got Mm. dates in there and cocoa powder and cardamom and sea salt. And um, you can also put in like maca and a few other superfoods that are going to actually help like enhance your immunity. And there's like a reishi powder blend that I like to put in as well. And um, just to make sure that I'm getting some of those cellular um, building staples throughout, like mixing in with some of the carbs and everything else that's coming in. It's, it's mm. like being a chemist. And I think if you're a curious minded person, the kitchen is the funnest place to give yourself permission to like, go for it. You got three times a day, maybe not three for everyone who's working nine to five, but you got two times a day that you can just like create something fun in your kitchen to, 
they taste delicious. And yeah. And then in the evenings, you've got those like soups or you, you know, just keep it really simple with some form of like, if you think of in the, like the way 90% of the world eats, it's like rice and beans and that's a complete protein. So right. if you want to make rice and beans taste a little better, chop up some avocado, put on some like, you know, put a fresh salsa and some salad together and you've got like a really simple, but like fully complete meal meeting a lot of those base requirements that our body does need for optimal health. Mm. That's so good. And I love that you spoke to the importance of keeping it simple. You know, for, for me, I'm, I'm so, I'm so good at honoring my basic needs and food as you know, has been, it's the hardest one for me. And part of that is my, my history with, you know, body image and an eating disorder. And, um, and I, and I have this, I still have this shutdown response often when I step into the kitchen, it's like, uh, like everything inside of me turns off. And I'll, <laughs> and even when I'm like, I'll have this idea and I'll even say to my partner, like, Oh, I'm going to make you dinner tonight. And he'll just look at me and be like, less talk, more action. Cause how often do I say that? And then I don't do it. And he's sick of it. He's like, don't tell me you're going to make dinner. Just make it. And then even when I go in to make it, I, I find I, I get into this state. It's so fascinating to me. And I've, I've dug into this a lot and I know it's a lot to do with witnessing my mom in the kitchen and you know, just my upbringing and my mom spent so much time in the kitchen. I'm one of seven kids and she, she was exhausted all the time and she was cooking all the time and it was always messy in there because we weren't good at helping and she wasn't good at disciplining us. And, and so I, I just have this aversion to the kitchen and it, it has gotten a lot better. And, and I know, again, you, have, you and I have talked about this and, and even when you've given at one point, you, one of the most beautiful things that you offered to me was this list of other grains you know, cause you asked me like, well, what kind of grains do you eat? And I was like, well, rice and quinoa. And I didn't even know of anything else. And you gave me this whole big list of like millet. And I couldn't even tell you everything that was on the list. I only remember <laughs> millet now. <laughs> Millet's great. Couscous. That was another one. Um, but there was a bunch of things on there. I was like, what the hell? Like, I don't know what any of these are. And what you encouraged me to do was just choose one thing a week. And I think maybe at first you said one thing a day. And I I was like, no, one thing a week. <laughs> and, and to me, that's, that's the way I've approached everything that I'm now really, really skilled at is, is breaking it down into small chunks so that I don't get overwhelmed. Because as soon as I get overwhelmed, I shut down. And that's what happens to me when I step into the kitchen. If I don't have a plan or if I'm attempting to do something that I don't really feel really good at, I, my energy just drains out of me and I make the same mistake a hundred times in a row. And it's really frustrating and it just adds to this, this shutdown response of, and this belief of like, oh, I'm not a good cook. And it's, it's not true. It's just when I'm in the kitchen, I, I don't follow recipes. And all of a sudden I think, you know, this chemistry piece, even with baking, and this is something Andrew says to me all the time. He's like, this is chemistry. You can't just like add in a cup of honey because you think that's going to be good. Like that destroys <laughs> the recipe. It doesn't work. And I, at least, at least five times I've cooked something that eating it myself, it's made me vomit and not like going and choosing to vomit, but like my body is like, ew, what did you just make me eat? And I vomit. <laughs> and that's from my own cooking. So again, this builds into this belief that I'm not a good cook, but I, so I, to circle back, I think that important reminder of just choose one thing and just slowly build like what's, you know, and it's the same thing as movement. Like diversity is so important. You could be the most 
expert person when it comes to one yoga sequence and it looks beautiful and amazing but if you're only moving in those ways you're actually doing yourself a disservice there's so many different ways to move the body and i think that's the same thing for food right and just mm -hmm. and that's why with you traveling you're exploring and trying new things and you know i'm sure your your gut for that reason is actually although you've had to take lots of medications um but your the diversity within you in your in your body through movement and what you ingest in who you spend time with in what you see on a daily basis the you know there's so much diversity within you and i i, I see that as a huge part of what makes you so strong and resilient mm. thanks marion yeah. and thanks for touching on that like i think for for us to remember to make it manageable like i guess that i tend to be the person that like takes all the markers out of the box. I take all the lids off them at the same time and I'll like, you know, use tons and then the outcome will look not like a Monet piece, of course. It'll <laughs> look like something I created because I tend to, I can't overdo it. And um, I think that was definitely part of the learning in the kitchen where it was like overspiced and then you lose the flavor mm. of the food you're actually eating. But um, yeah, like no, just you're totally, yeah, you're spot on with that, like keeping it simple and knowing what, knowing what you like is a really good way to start as well. And knowing that there's, you know, there's tons of varieties of beans and they've all got, you know, different compounds within them. But, you know, if you know you like beans and you like making chili, like keep it exciting. Put in like, what about sun-dried tomatoes? Have you ever tried like cocoa powder in your chili or cinnamon or, you know, like there's just so many different ways you can like roast veggies and add things in and, yeah. um, and not have to use every, you know, marker in that yeah. palette of colors, but just do the things that you know work your like work well for your system. Yeah. And and then just find the color. And I think that is something else to mm. keep in mind when we are touching on gut health because our body does need a little bit of variety. And even though, you know, if you look at Timothy Ferris's work or one of these people that's kind of like synthesized ways to have really great muscle build or shed pounds in this amount of time or what eat like the cultures around the world, like in his four hour chef book, he has a real like a spread where it's like 40 different ways to make scrambled eggs. Wow. And it's just changing the flavors. And then it takes you on a trip around the world. So for a month, you can have scrambled eggs with like a Cajun style, with a Mexican style, with a, you know, Italian style, like just based on the spices that you pair together. So that's really neat to know that eggs can be simplified, you know, but then you can, you can add that variety if you do want to try something outside of the norm with just using the same base ingredient, eggs, which mm -hmm. you know work well for your body. Yeah. Um, wow. That's a really good point. I like that. You know, I'm, I'm actually, one of the other questions that I had for you when it comes to hydration, um, I have heard, and, I, and I've done this before in the past as well, where in the morning, my first glass of water is with lemon and salt. Yeah. And, and then I just stop doing it. And I just get back into just, just having water straight from the tap. And yeah. I, and I can't say I haven't, it's not like I was keeping um, documentation on, really how I felt during the series of time where I was doing it with salt and lemon. So yeah. I don't know if there was a big difference, but I, I do hear this quite consistently that just drinking water is not actually what hydrates us, that you need a specific type of water or the water must be filtered or it needs to be filtered through this special filter and you need to add these things. Is, is that, <laughs> is that something that you, yeah. <laughs> I think I've definitely heard 
I've heard a lot of these stories and you find the thing that works well with your body. So there are, you know, based on different countries, I guess that I've spent time is that we do notice that pipes leach metals. So if you are getting water from a lot of pipes in big cities, be prepared to know that there's going to be some heavy metal contamination and our body stores that in our cells. So when you have something like a filtration system that's going to remove um, contaminants from your water, chemicals from your water, um, the beauty of Calgary is that like the Bow River is not very far. Like you're at the headwaters of the glacier. So before any contaminants can really get into that water, Calgary's actually receiving such a beautiful supply of tap water that mm. it's like off the charts. Like if you go and eat dinner at the Post Hotel in Lake Louise, which we do with our guests on trip, and I feel so fortunate for having such a um, fine dining experience now in my wheelhouse because before I was just making it all up and cooking over a campfire and right. feeding kids and running retreats and thinking maybe this tastes good but now I'm like oh wow my taste buds can see what really good food tastes like uh, and not like I ever want to go to culinary school but they actually serve the water from the tap in a jug that says low de Lake Louise and they the guests can't like they educate the guests on the water quality they're like you can't get better quality water than what flows right in our backyard Hmm. So that's something great to, to keep in mind. Um, however, I worked with a company called Riverwatch, and that's based out of Calgary as well. And we did raft trips down the Bow River, and we would test the quality of water above and below the effluent channel, which is where the um, water treatment plant pours out all of its gray water, essentially. So water coming from um, toilets and taps and household and um, industrial plants. And we found that it's like off the charts, chemically laden. We can't test for dyes, but you can see the difference in colors through the wash because a lot of dyes don't come out and they can actually be removed in that process. So all of the towns as that river makes its way out to Hudson Bay um, are being more and more contaminated. So the water mm -hmm. that's flowing through, you know, from Alberta into Saskatchewan and Manitoba is a it's kind of like a buildup. It's like the system kind of gets clogged and nature does a pretty good job to naturally filter. So UV is a good way to kind of like filter out some of those, you know, pathogens and microbes that of course, like birds do their business in the water. And sometimes like that can work its way out. It'll, you know, sedimentation kind of draws it down. You always mm -hmm. want to have a filtration system. So when I'm running on the trail, I've got, I've got a life straw that I use. I have aqua tabs that I do contaminate, you know, or I used to like take out the contamination. It's like a, okay. let your liter of water sit for half an hour. Cause I definitely learned my lesson in China when I got very ill <laughs> drinking from streams that were like bubbling with stuff. And we're like, Oh, we ran out of liquid tabs and we have 40 kids. Of course the kids get the clean water and the leaders don't. And then we're not well for weeks. But, um, oh wow. The role of being an educator is mm -hmm. educating. Um, so <laughs> I learned a lot, <laughs> but when it comes to like something, I think that's really valuable to keep in mind when you're thinking about the lemon salt water continuum yeah. is that you're doing a reboot to your liver and your liver is, I think there's, I'm learning a lot more about Ayurveda at this time. And there's like different clocks that are ticking. And that means that organs are replenishing themselves at different hours of the day and mm -hmm. they need certain rest and they need certain nourishment to kind of help them reboot fully. So they're actually the cellular regrowth that's happening is making them the strongest liver it can be instead of maybe a little bit weaker, a little bit weaker, one day leading to disease. Mm -hmm. So you've got healthy practices. You're very active. You've got a lot of good cellular regeneration and recovery processes that are taking place in your body now. But sometimes when like stress builds up and we don't have those routines in store, then mm. it's going to be harder to reach out and be like, oof, this is the 
you know, thanks to that lever or that lemon and water, my liver is actually helping me feel more rejuvenated because mm-hmm. it's, it's so important to have, you know, livers doing wonders for helping us like process alcohols and sugars and actually making us feel revitalized. And 11 PM is when that organ is like getting its best work. So we kind of need to be not putting anything else in our body. They say at around 7 PM so that it can work its way out of our stomach through our blood system. And then actually having the proper amount of rest time needed for it to reboot before morning comes and we start to feed it again. Mm, Okay. So that's uh, speaking a little bit to even to intermittent fasting of ensuring that you're, you're not constantly ingesting food so that your body actually has time to flush things out, regenerate the organs before they start working hard once again. So what I'm hearing from you then too, is a perspective shift potentially for me with this lemon and water, um, uh, sorry, lemon, water, and salt is if, if, and when I ingest that again in the morning to, to kind of see this like a little, a little gift for my liver. Yeah. Like totally. that's, I, so I like that. I, I like the, not personifying different areas of my body, but, but doing practices that feel like, like it really is self care and turn, like I'm turning in towards myself and I'm acknowledging these parts of me that for years I've just taken for granted. You know, whether it's my yeah. lungs and being like, wow, you're working hard. It's like, thank you. Or I down to the liver and being like, here's a little bit of lemon and salt just for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start that. doing that again. Yeah, that, that helps. Because I don't like doing Good. things just just because like someone told me I should do this. And I don't yeah. know if it's doing any good. But taking it in yeah. as a little gift for my liver feels really, really good. And yeah. it's, it's nice to know, even when we can't see these parts of our body, like you're talking about these organs, like they are, their functioning is the direct result of how we function in the world. And when you know you're feeling like, you know, your brighter, like charged self, like you've got energy, you've got curiosity, you've got excitement. It's like, okay, my systems are running well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when you start noticing, even as we're in this time of isolation, like I haven't yet felt like there's something quite lacking because I think that there's systems that are working well in my body. And it's like, what's going on inside is a direct reflection of what's going on outside. So Mm. if you're noticing that something's a little bit off, um, your comment earlier about intermittent fasting, I think it's so important to remember that like, we should only be eating till we're 80% full. And the word full shouldn't quite be used because like you don't get to full. And Asia was such a great teacher because we eat out of these like teacups, you know, there's like big bowls that come out and it's not American style eating. All of the bowls are in the middle. Like you're given this tiny little teacup. You've got your chopsticks, which at the start were very painful because how do you eat anything with a chopstick <laughs> when everyone else is so efficient and then dinner's all gone and you're like, but hold on, I'm still yeah. working on my first bowl. <laughs> But it's, that's the beautiful part of like mindful eating. Like you can only pick up one little bit at a time, you know, and it's just a slower process and you've got your little cup. Okay. And then when that little cup's done, you actually see that your bowl's empty. And then you're like, I have a moment to think, am I still hungry? Okay. Yeah. Let's grab the next thing and let's fill up the little bowl. Okay. And then you eat slower and then you get to ask again, okay, am I hungry? And once you filled yourself 80%, you got, you got to wait hours. You've got to wait until you eat again. You got to let your system and that body, you know, the food like work its way through, fuel all of those organs, you know, give energy to your blood, let your heart pump it throughout every cell. And then, and then when hunger arises hours later, then gift yourself 
with the next, you know, meal that you want to feel revitalized from and Mm -hmm. just like know that your cells are being washed clean with the like fluids that you put in your system and you're helping to like transport out toxins with that with that choice so if you're putting in toxic you know if if you're you know maybe living downstream or if you know that the place like when you do pour your water sometimes you could there is a smell that comes in it if you are in different places in the world and like maybe you should just contemplate like do I want like just becoming a little bit more mindful of our eating and drinking habits like do do I want to be drinking this water right now? And yeah, you can put love and intention into it being the greatest glass of water you've ever had, but you got to still remember that there are some, there are some other parts that are at play when, when you are in places of contamination. So just, I think it's important to like slow down and ask yourself, is this a good choice? Is this a good choice for, for the food that I'm eating? Is this a good choice for the water? And then, and then proceed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's really smart. The mindfulness piece, I think, is huge. And that's, that's something we've talked a lot about. You, you were the one that taught me, I think initially it was 10, 5, 1. And then I broke it down into, no, that's too much. Let's go 3, 2, 1. (laughs) I think it's something like that. So, but it, what it, what it did for me was, was this concept of, um, well, even before I get into that, are, are there any foods that you, like, not that you demonize, but that you're, you're like, no, I never eat that food that type of food is there anything on that list for you that's like a hard no um i really i just have to watch um the types of sugars that are coming into my body because i notice that it doesn't have the best response with my stomach and i'm in i have the blood type that i do and i have the history of you know having traveled to the places that I have. And I noticed that that's one thing. If it is like, if I eat a whole banana, sometimes I feel a little bit uneasy, but if it's like blended in a different way or like mixed with other things and it's a half a banana, then it's much better. But I can't have like super sweet, like mangoes and pineapples in moderation, like little Mm. bits of it, but I can't have too much sugar. And that's another component of, of like keeping things in mind for good gut health is like, don't overdo the sugar. You're really going to be messing up that biome. And sometimes right. when our body's actually craving sugar, it's actually craving sour. That's just the story that our bacteria in your stomach are saying that they're hungry. So if you put in a pickle, which thank goodness that was like my gateway to happiness as a child. If I could just eat dill pickles for the rest of my life, I would have been a very happy kid. Hmm. Of course, my mom was a farm girl and much more educated in like <laughs> a well-balanced diet. So she didn't let that happen. But <laughs> If you, if you try just having a bit of sour instead of sugar, it totally cuts the craving. So if you find yourself having that desire for something sweet, sauerkraut is great. Kombucha is great. And they say to have like, you know, you don't need to drink the whole bottle of kombucha, but you know, break it into quarters or thirds and enjoy it Mm -hmm. fully for, uh, for the time it's there. And, um, and maybe your body's also craving movement at that point too, right? Because sometimes sugar is also craving of, I need energy. Cause I, my totally. sugar cravings are always like 7 PM and later. That's the only time ah. when my body's like ice cream now, chocolate now. And it, okay. <laughs> so I, I noticed that, that it's just my body starting to slowly move towards sleep. And it's also like, no, fight it. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to just say too, I'm also, I'm also allergic to um, whole pineapples. Like if I eat a whole pineapple, my mouth oh. breaks out into cankers and that's a little oh. bit of a joke uh, like a whole I'm t- like I ate a whole pineapple once and I my mouth filled with canker sores for like 10 days and then oh I and so then I would gosh. people would ask like what happened I'd be like oh, I'm allergic to whole pineapples 
I, <laughs> I can I guess I can only have like half a pineapple or less, unfortunately. <laughs> did you did did Sarah tell ever tell you the story of our basketball trip out east? No. I did Tell the exact me. same thing. I ate, we, we went to the grocery store and I bought a pineapple and I ate it. And I, as the night was progressing, I'm like, oh my God, my mouth, something is really wrong. My lips had totally swollen and we had to play a game the next day. And they were like splitting. They were so, it was so well, You're aggravated. allergic to whole pineapples too. I, I am as well. <laughs> Maybe that's why they thought I was a good replacement for the moment you were away. <laughs> Yeah, if you did that in front of them, I'm sure that was a moment where like, oh my God, this marriage. Oh my God. Wow, that's, that's so, so good. funny. Yeah, yeah well, you know, back to the mindful eating, eating piece, because this is something that I find really curious and interesting, is that we can get so wrapped up in um, not only demonizing foods, um, I agree with you, too much of anything's no longer a good thing. That's the way I kind of gauge most things in my life. Uh, and also, it depends on the state you're in. So I, I've heard a lot of people end up saying, like, oh, I, I think I'm celiac, or I, I, you know, I was eating this, and, and I got really bloated, so I must be allergic to that. And I, I'm really enjoying kind of flipping the script and, and helping people and myself recognize that if your body thinks you're in danger when you're eating, you're going to have adverse effects, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So if, and so many of us are going throughout our day with this low, at least a low level rattle of stress of our body just on edge of like, am I in danger? Is this okay? Like, you know, that constant little rattle of, of danger. And so when we, we're not mindful with our food, whether it's, you know, pulling out your Tupperware while you're driving, sitting down in front of the TV, um, standing over the kitchen sink, which I often, when I find myself doing that, I'm like, why am I doing that? Uh, <laughs> So we, no one's perfect. Um, but at least once a day now, when I, when I'm really being mindful and I take the time to put my food on my plate and I sit down with it and then I do three, two, one. So three full body breaths right away, sending the signal to my body. Well, I must be safe because I wouldn't pause. I wouldn't focus on my breath if I were in danger. So right away, those safety signals start to elevate. And then two things I'm grateful for in this moment. And if I'm with a friend and I, I often will share this with friends over meals and then we all do it together and then we can share what we're grateful for. Or I just say it to myself if I'm by myself. And then one thing, uh, sorry, one is um, a big smell of your food. And at that point, when you lean in and you take a big smell and you'll feel your mouth fill with saliva and the, the the acid in your stomach starts to bubble. It's like your body is like, oh yeah, it's time to eat. And so now your whole system is actually gauged and ready to ingest, to absorb, to digest, and you can get way more out of your food. So I used to think that I, not that I was celiac, but I I must have a wheat intolerance because I would often, I just often felt bloated. No, like for years, actually, I just always felt bloated. And so I thought I had a food allergy. And as soon as I adopted mindful eating and meditation practices in general, the bloat has gone away. My body actually is absorbing and it's digesting. And, and I, you know, I'm similar to you where I, I, I really try to limit my sugar intake. But everything else and like processed foods, I, you know, I, I try to in general follow 80-20, like 80% is just whole natural 
colorful food. And then 20% is, you know, I'm human and I like pleasure and I like to, like, you know, yeah. I have my days. Um, and that way for me, I, I found it's not, it's not about perfection. It's not super strict. There's a lot of leniency in it. And, and so now I can just eat really, I can trust my decisions with food and I can be with the food and I'm not, I don't get into this cycle after of shame or, you know, anything that used to come along with the eating disorder I had for about 20 years. So it's, you know, that was such a gift that you offered me to, to talk about mindful eating and, and, and just how important it is when you really stop me, think about it. Like, yeah, of course. I, my body needs to know that it's time to eat. Like I need to be gentle and create space for my body to do what it innately does. And if I don't give it that space, then I can't have an expectation that it's, it's just going to like flip a switch and, and be able to digest when it, at the same time, it's just scanning for danger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I love that you still <laughs> have use for your, uh, for three, two, one. Oh yeah. That's really I love nice sharing that after. with people. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. What were you, I'm curious, what was your last, um, what was your last gratitude for your, for your meal? Oh. I just wonder what people are grateful for these days. That's a good question. I, when did I do this? Yesterday at lunch. Right now it's been really, my gratitude has been all about like very basic needs. I'm grateful for a roof over my head. I'm, I'm so grateful good. that I have. I have the tools that I have so that even in self-isolation, I can, I feel this as a possibility and I, I'm, there's so much pleasure and so much gratitude, even in that I'm, you know, I'm grateful to have a, a partner that is hilarious and challenges me. And, and we have this really healthy amount of tension in our relationship that he helps me grow. And I'm, I help him grow and you know, they, there's, there's so much good in, in that. And yeah, so it's, it's been a lot of stuff like that. Just, just grateful that I'm, I've got my basic survival needs met so that I can think about the universe and about consciousness. You know, I, I feel very privileged that I, I can do that. Mm -hmm. That's so good. What are you grateful for? Who? Wow. Thank you for flipping the, <laughs> flipping the script. Every time I ask questions, I'm like, all right, now I have to think of the answer. This, yeah. this is new. Um, I'm really grateful for the, like, the real safety and comfort that I feel being back at home. Um, this was not part of the plan. I wasn't supposed to be in Canada until October. And um, I got the message to leave Tanzania right after I finished climbing Kilimanjaro and was like, but hold on, I've got to go build bikes in Ghana and the kids are waiting for me. <laughs> Let's go enhance their lives and just celebrate, you know, with these resources. And that was, you know, something I had to think about as like a global citizen to be like, I'm so grateful for these devices that allow us to be connected. Mm -hmm. You know, even though that's something I often struggle with, like 
I love my typewriter, you know, give me a computer and I'm like, ah, there's too much going on. It's probably the same sensory overload you feel when you walk in a kitchen is how I feel mm. when I open a computer. And it's like, mm. okay, <laughs> I can, I can do this. I usually do need to do like a grounding practice to like help me calm my nerves and sit still long enough to be like, yeah. okay, let's do some computer work. <laughs> uh, I am grateful for these devices that help me know you know, when it's time to come back somewhere safe and, mm-hmm. um, and to help me connect with you in moments like this, where we can share things that light us up about the color green, green yeah. uh, <laughs> movement and gut health, I guess the letter G instead of yeah. the, the word green. Um, and the, you know, this like this community of people that are really taking time to integrate what they've learned and, be prepared and willing to take this next step into the, into the world. And it's just, it's been really nice to know that everyone can pause. You know, some people don't give themselves permission. They say they don't have time. Yeah. We may not have a moment like this in our lifetimes ever again. You know, like the Italian <laughs> um, prime minister said, you know, some generations are sent off to war. You're being asked to stay home. You know, let's count our blessings for a minute. So there's a really good opportunity right now to kind of synthesize that learning and dive into that book. Maybe we've always wanted to read. Maybe work on that garden project. You can still get outside and breathe the fresh air and have that sunshine and dig your hands in the dirt and feel the joys of spring because everything's blooming now. It's, well, it's much colder than where I had been living in the summer. It was still (laughs) snowing last week. I'm adjusting, wearing like dress like an onion but um, (laughs) that's okay there's a lot to be really grateful for and I think at the end of the day coming back to Canada is always very comforting to know about the access and abundance of clean resources that we have there is fresh air for miles there is really really amazing water quality our food is grown locally if you choose to go that way um people are caring and kind and I just, I just, it's nice to be in a country that is your native language. You know, there's little things like that. Like I know what they're saying as I walk past and they're giving me a wave. Like not every place can I say that. Oftentimes you smile and nod and then you just try to remember and go back and translate to be like, Oh, I was supposed to, you know, not pet their dog. Whoops. You know, Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot to be grateful for, even though this is quite a quite a turn um, in society. And I'm yeah, I'm just happy to be where I am, surrounded with the people that I am through this wonderful technology. Amazing! <laughs> Thank you for Thanks, sharing Mary. that. Yeah. Hey. Well, I know asking. we're we're gonna start wrapping things up, but I do have a couple more questions for you. And and one is, you know, I, I love just the inspiration of, of hearing what you do in the world and where you travel and, and this tour across Canada that I know you're, you're still continuing on. So one of the things I'll add in the show notes is your website. Um, and if you have any information at all of, you know, if you're still, I know you were gathering, actively gathering donations uh, before. I don't know if you still have that up and running or if you have to create a new link for donations. Um, it is a link on the website, actually. Okay, um, good. Yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll get all that information from you so I can add it in so people can track cool. you down and just see what's up for you next. Um, but on that note, 
you know, if we think about the times that we're in, what, whether you want to say it as like the top three ways to get outside and, and engage in green exercise or however you want to phrase it, what, what would be some, some final thoughts around some encouragement or some ideas or inspiration for people to be getting outside and, and just moving in the fresh air? Oh my goodness. Well, spring is beautiful. So if you are a gardener or have any interest in like understanding plants, like go outside and pick up the leaves that you walk past and try to either identify what tree does this come from or what's the name of this tree. It sounds like a kid's activity, but for most, like for the most part, as adults, we don't always know these answers. And we're like, yeah, yeah, our kids do that in school. Or, you know, we just increasing our um, natural vocabulary, I think enhances our feeling of like security and safety not just by the people who are in it but all of the players like mm -hmm. what are all of these things that are you know providing shade in our yard and you know Is providing an apples from that? the tree <laughs> i used so i'll add a link to a few of the apps that i used at the moment okay. i'm trying to make one which is yes, cool about some... okay beautiful <laughs> i want your app so... <laughs> well that's the this is part of the beauty of sitting inside is that all of these projects can kind of come to a head. So I'm yeah. trying to create a, a wild foraging plant guidebook for the Trans-Canada Trail. And oh, there's yeah. so many biomes and ecoregions that you work through, but having made my way all the way to Princeton through, so I paddled across the Salish and then biked into, you know, the valley, the uh, Okan Okanagan. Oh, there we go. Right. I've been yeah. in too many places to have yeah. that one on the tip of my tongue. Um, but the journey is heading up to Inuvik, so the northern tip of Northwest Territory. So it's 5,500 kilometers of biking that, thank goodness for isolation. Here we go. I'll not find many people, I'm sure, on yeah. two wheels. <laughs> but um, there's a, it probably won't be out in the very near future, but I, um, I've got quite an archive of, you know, drawings and journalings from all of the plants that have been along the trail so far but there's a lot of like eye nature and different things that you can do just to like snap that picture have it on your phone and then it gives you the botanical name and um some of them actually have like they'll tell you a little bit of a story about the plant so it cool. you can learn the the flowers that come from it or the time of year it's going to be in bloom or where it originates and um yeah, so that's that would be really neat for people to like first take out into nature is like find a picture and get curious about what's growing in their backyard. So yeah. if they're gardeners, like get outside and, you know, hang out in nature. I think we so often and I am, you know, I'm at fault for this right now because I have a lot of podcasts to catch up on and audiobooks and you know, friends, beautiful podcasts. I've been listening to mm -hmm. years while I've been out in the woods. And sometimes mm. just like listening to the sounds of nature is really soothing. So remember that it's a sensory experience when you're outside and our body kind of craves this. So we can, you know, you can have releases of serotonin by just looking far away. So looking across an open lake or across a field or like far, far in the distance, you know, out your cubicle, you know, far across the cityscape of Calgary. and that can have a huge uplifting feeling. It's just to allow your eyes to process something new and different. And, you know, just like maybe watch the formations of clouds because they're actually telling you what the weather is going to be in the future. And, you know, feeling is a really good thing. So oftentimes we are holding our phone, but I encourage you to like, you know, find that seed pod or touch those leaves and pick things up and just kind of notice the different, the different textures and, you know, understand that that's going to turn into soil one day. And, 
it doesn't look like black earth now, but eventually like all this, you know, the little microbes are going to turn it into food. So this is going to be feeding the tree for the next stage of life. So it's neat just to think like cyclical and ask, get curious, like ask yourself those questions. Um, I think that that's like walking through nature is really good. And like, you know, while you're in the garden as well, if you can like find ways to sit and be in a stretch pose, it's really easy just to like bend one knee in, have one leg straight and plant away. There you go. Your hamstrings are getting a little bit more activated. You know, you can have like a wide-legged seat pose while you're still working away in your garden. It doesn't have to be crouched with a sore back and shoulders that everyone complains about while gardening. Like maybe we could integrate a little bit more yoga awareness and body mm. movement awareness into doing some of these like mundane spring tasks, like cleaning the eaves troughs or, you know, even if you're repainting your house, I've learned that that's a very common pastime right now for a lot of people. So with that in mind, all the more reason to get outside and have some fresh air for your um for your nose because it's probably quite strong the smell of that yeah. paint in your home but just like notice how you're holding your shoulders and like activate your core that's something that you know being an athlete I just never really you hear the term all the time but mm -hmm. I got I understood it last year I was 32 <laughs> That's about the same for me, actually. It took me a long time. Like, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes that means like actually walk slower. And what I had to do to turn it on was like tuck my chin back into my chest, find a tall position where my shoulder blades were actually flat down my back, not rolling forward or up in my ears. And then my pelvis naturally found a different way to stand once those top two had been in the right placement. Mm -hmm. And then I could run freely and my elbows maintained a 90 degree angle. And that could be sustained for 50K, which was amazing. But before wow. that, I had no idea that I was causing a lot more pain and actually not utilizing the strongest muscle in my stomach that actually needs to be in check for good digestion and mm -hmm. proper you know, health long-term for my spine. So that's, yeah. a, that's just a consideration for the garden and the paint projects that people may be doing at this time of year. Mm, that's awesome. So good. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, well, so <laughs> my last question, this is one of the questions that I've been, um, really, it's, it's always an exciting point at the end of every episode. And so basically when I started this podcast, I also had this other sister podcast project on the side as an idea that everybody I engage with in these episodes of the ABCs that I also have this sister podcast called the ZYX to live your dope life. And the ZYX is, uh, the, the, the invitation is to engage again in a conversation that we record, but we do it with either first ingesting a little bit of cannabis together, or the other thing that I've realized after I started this project is that actually being outdoors in nature produces the same effects for the most part that ingesting cannabis or plant medicine does but it's very similar. And of course there's dosage, there's environmental things that, that play a, a role as well. Um, but if you're open to kind of keeping this conversation going where we could at some point in the summer, potentially like in real, like real life together, <laughs> um, go off on a hike together, uh, whether we ingest a little bit of cannabis or not, I'm, uh, that's not really the, the point anymore, but it's, it's about, altering our state, expanding our consciousness, and then engaging in conversation and recording it. 
cool. like something, something you'd be open to doing? Oh, I would love to do that. And actually I'm brought back to um, Lake Minnewanka where we went for that hike on my sister's birthday. Mm. So we could be on the high peak and then we came down and went skinny dipping. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that, was really, so good. that was what I'd love to, to try when we get to take our, our hike day together is, um, implementing um I'm not sure if you've done some of his work before but Wim Hof has a really beautiful breathing practice and if you do his practice with like yoga asanas I find my brain is as clear as it's ever been and that's an approach that I'm doing with my days now when I'm like okay I had started spending three hours on my yoga mat to achieve this place and I'm like okay now I'm super clear I feel tired enough that I could sit still and write and now I'm just doing like 20 minutes of this like pretty activated breathwork practice with some movement and I'm like wow okay my brain is like firing on all cylinders and I just need to get this work out there so maybe we could we could dabble in a few types of breathing and moving and using our body's wisdom to kind of release that stored oh yeah that's potential yes cool (laughs) yeah that sounds like a great plan yeah let's make it happen yay well, anything, anything left unsaid, anything coming up for you before we, we say goodbye? Well, I just want to say how, how inspired I am of the work that you put into the world, because there is a braveness that you've got that I am like constantly enamored with. And you, you know, you cheer people on on a spin bike, but it, it's like so much more than just being a teacher of that or the movement of yoga or an author or, uh, you know, an advocate for helping find, you know, really good mental health with the, the clients that you coach. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just such an available, open woman who I think the world's so blessed to have, have your work out there. And I just want you to know how much I adore you from afar right now. And I'll get to share it more when I'm close, but yeah, these videos and this like self-work and I, can't wait just to keep growing old with you because yeah. you're the greatest friend a girl could ask for. So thank you for, thanks for being in my life and sharing your curiosities and passions with like this larger network. You're, you're changing lives. And I'm, I'm so in support of all that you do. Thank you. That well, means a lot to me. Yeah. I feel the same about you. Mm-hmm. It's so mutual. And I, I just, uh, and I had a moment actually you know, you talking about your friend Mark and people holding you accountable, showing up to to be on this journey with you. And I know I was one of those people that said like, yeah, I want to come do this with you. And then I, I didn't make it happen. And I want you to know that my, like, I will, I will be there for a part of your journey. And, and so I don't, I don't know exactly when yet, but I know that you send me little dates of things going on and please keep doing that because I, I so, I so badly want to be there for you and I'm, I'm going to make it happen. I, I, yeah. So just know that. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two wheels. I see you being there. Maybe this summer we could, we'll find it. The time will work out perfect. I don't, yeah, I have faith. Okay. Beautiful. Mm. All right. Well, Thanks, Kalea, it's good to see you. Good Thanks for you. sharing your light. <laughs> And thank you everyone for listening. And if you have any questions or you want to learn more about Kalea, check out the show notes and I will make sure that we have all of her contact info in there. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at Dopamine, that's D-O-P-E-A-M-E, or on my website under that same title, dopamine.com. 
Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it and do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, love big and play big. Peace.